we call one another to worship using the words on your order of service. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, into your hands, into your forgiveness and peace, we place ourselves. Our first reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramah whose name was Elkanah. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah and the name of the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow. O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. 
They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine. She brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And she left him there for the Lord. Our second reading is still from 1 Samuel, chapter 2 now, verses 1 to 11. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set his world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, while the boy remained to minister to the Lord in the presence of the priest Eli. Amen.
Hello. Um, thank you very much for having me today. It's lovely to be able to come to different places and to know that we are all part of the same family in the Lord and to be able to share from the Bible together. So thank you for having me. Um, before we start, let's just pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reality that you are God and yet you are here. We thank you for your word and we thank you for the fact that you want to teach us through it and for us to get to know you more. And we pray, Lord, that as we look at this passage together, your Holy Spirit would be at work and that you would teach us and that we would go away from here loving you more and wanting to live for you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, sometimes I find it hard to pray. Sometimes I feel as if my words can just float up to the ceiling and that's it. Or sometimes if I don't get what I've asked for, no matter how many times I've asked for it, I can get frustrated and wonder what the point of it actually is. Or sometimes maybe we can feel quite small and insignificant when we think about ourselves in the context of the whole world and the number of people that there are, and we think about how small we are, it can feel very much like, how could God even hear our tiny little voices, let alone how could they make any kind of difference? And maybe that's something that you can relate to or that you have related to in the past. But this book that we've just read from, First Samuel, is all about the fact that God works out his purposes through the lives of ordinary people. Ordinary people, just like you, and just like me. In fact, he delights in that. And Hannah, who is the main person in the beginning of this book that we've just read about, is just an ordinary lady. Just an ordinary lady living an ordinary life, just like you and me. She wasn't going to be famous in all of Israel. She wasn't going to be hobnobbing with kings like Samuel was going to be. She was just an ordinary lady. But she was a lady who prayed, and she discovered that prayer transforms life. Prayer transforms life. The prayers of an ordinary woman making a massive difference. Maybe you find prayer tough at times. Maybe you feel small and insignificant, or you wonder what difference it makes to actually pray at all. But I want to encourage you this morning, as I encourage myself, that prayer transforms life. I think sometimes it's easy to think that the folk in the Bible had it much easier than us because it was different back in those days. Or somehow God was more obvious to them than he is to us. Or they lived on some higher spiritual plane. But hopefully as we read that story, you get a sense of the reality of this. This wasn't make-believe these people weren't living some sort of scripted life where they knew what was going to happen. They lived busy and complicated lives, just like us. And Hannah wasn't coming from a place that was just plain sailing where everything was going fine. She had plenty of problems of her own. She had family issues. She was going through a lot of aggro with her husband's other wife, who was always irritating her and provoking her because she couldn't have children. And she had physical problems as well because she couldn't have children. Both sources of major heartache for Hannah. These problems were painful and they were long term. Twice in the passage, in verses 3 and 7, it says this phrase, year after year. 
This was long-term pain for Hannah. Her husband doesn't understand her. He says in verse 8, don't I mean more to you than all these sons that you might have had? He doesn't seem to understand. And then her priest misjudges her and thinks that she's drunk. She's frequently reduced to tears and unable to eat, as we've already heard with the kids. But in spite of all of that heartache, Hannah was faithful to God. She still went every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord, even although that was such a painful experience for her. And instead of being angry at God for her circumstances, she turned to him and brought all of her pain to him. And I guess right there for all of us, Hannah brings a challenge of what do we do in the tough times? Do we get angry at God and turn away from him? Or do we bring to him all of our pain, all of our worries, all of the things that are troubling us and take them to God? Hannah was just an ordinary woman, an ordinary person like you and an ordinary person like me. But she prayed and she discovered that prayer transforms life. But before we look at how prayer transforms life, I just want to look briefly at what kind of prayer Hannah was praying. What are the characteristics of her prayer? And is there anything that we can learn today from how Hannah went about prayer? And I think there's four key things about how Hannah prayed that we can take away from this passage. First of all, Hannah prayed persistently. She kept going. We've already seen how this was a long-term, year-after-year pain for Hannah. And although the passage doesn't explicitly tell us, I'm pretty sure that this probably wasn't the first time that Hannah had poured out her heart to God. But more than that, even once God had given Hannah this son that she had asked for, she didn't just say, right, well, now that I've got the son that I've asked for, I don't need to pray anymore. The first thing that she does is pray to the Lord and give thanks to him. Good times or bad times, Hannah prayed persistently. Why is that important for you and me? Well, I guess because prayer isn't just asking for stuff. Prayer is about a relationship. Prayer is talking to God about life. And we are persistent about what matters to us. If you think about your friendships, the people that you really count as your friends, you don't just get in touch with them or give them a call when you want something from them. You get in touch with them because you want to catch up with them. You want to share in their life and you want them to share in your life. It's a two-way thing. And if you don't make the effort to keep in touch, then you'll grow apart and that relationship grows cold. But if your friend is important to you, you will make the time, no matter how busy your life is, to keep in touch. You will be persistent about seeing them and speaking to them because it matters. And I think that in the same way, we shouldn't just pray to God when we want something. And our persistence in prayer or our lack of it, I think, reveals a lot about how important our relationship with God actually is. So Hannah prayed persistently, but secondly, Hannah prayed passionately. If you've got a Bible, look at verses 10 and 15. It really expresses this emotion. Hannah poured out her heart to God. She really meant what she said, pain or joy. 
Her prayers were real and not mechanical or scripted. She wasn't just telling God what she thought he wanted to hear, but she was telling him where she was at. And that is what prayer is all about. Sometimes I think it's easy to fall into the trap of saying the things that we think we should say or saying the things that we think people expect us to say. But God wants us to talk to him from our heart, honestly. He doesn't want us to be contrived. He wants us to be real. He doesn't want us to be apathetic about prayer. He wants us to be passionate. God can tell if you're just going through the motions. Verse 3 of chapter 2 has this beautiful phrase. In my version it says, The Lord is a God who knows. I think in the version that was read, it was the Lord is a God of knowledge. He knows. God knows. And to me that's a beautiful thing, that he knows all about us. But he also knows about the desires in our hearts and the motives behind what we say. So be real with him. Mean what you say. He knows what your desires are. So Hannah was persistent, and she was passionate, and thirdly, she was bold. If you take a look at what she asks for in uh, verse 11 of chapter 1, Hannah really goes for it. There's no messing about here. She really puts it on the line, and she asks God for a son. And not only that, but she says, God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you for all of his life. This is pretty bold stuff from a woman who is barren. But Hannah obviously believed that God could give her this son that she was asking for. I wonder if you have ever prayed for anything and you've not really believed that God could or would actually give it to you. I know that sometimes I have, and then when he actually does give you what you've asked, you're shocked. Rather than actually believing that the God of the whole universe is capable of giving you this thing that you have asked for. Hannah seemed convinced that God was able to do this, and so she boldly asks for it. But she also boldly promises to do something pretty massive in return. I don't have time this morning to go into all the rights and wrongs of making deals with God, as it were, but I think there are two things about how Hannah goes about this that's worth noting. And the first is that I think it's obvious from how Hannah goes about this That although she longed for a son, her deepest desire was to honour God. Why else was she wanting to, to, to devote Samuel to God? She was asking for a son, but she was saying, Lord, I want this child to bring honour to you. I don't think it's wrong to ask God for the things that we want or the things that we need. But if God blesses us with those things, think about how we can use those things to honour God and to bless other people as well. Hannah prayed boldly, but her deepest desire was to honour God. And the second thing about the way Hannah goes about this is that she made this promise to God and then she followed through on it. Her life was consistent with what she said. In verse 24 of chapter 1, although Samuel is still so young, she gave him back to God. Having longed for so long to have this son, it must have been quite painful in itself to then be separated from him so soon. But she followed through with what she had promised to God. And so what the challenge for me is, 
is to be careful what I promise to God. I think it's really easy to say stuff, to be caught up in the moment or to say something that's in a worship song. And it's a whole other story to actually follow through on it. I don't know if any of you have been watching The Apprentice on TV. I quite enjoy this series where people come along and they want to be Lord Sugar's business partner. And so they present him with this great CV about all the wonderful things that they can do, how great they are with their own business, how they're such a great leader and all the rest of it. And even in the boardroom when they're trying to justify their maintaining their, their position in the process, they go through all this, I'm great at this and I'm great at that. But the bottom line is that in the task, they were pretty rubbish and they messed up. And Lord Sugar can see right through all of the guff that they've put in their CV and all of the talk that comes out of their mouth. And he says, but in practice, you weren't a good leader. Or in practice, business went out of the window. He can see the difference. And I think it's the same with God. No matter what comes out of your mouth, God can see what you're really about. He hears what you say. He is listening when you make promises. And he's not interested in hot air. Hannah prayed boldly. But her deepest desire was to honour God. And in doing that, she followed through on what she said. Her actions backed up the person that she was. And that's a challenge. So Hannah prayed persistently, she prayed passionately, she prayed boldly, and fourthly, Hannah gave God his rightful place in her prayers. If you look at the language that she uses in these prayers, O Lord Almighty, and she refers to herself as his servant. Hannah might have been bold, but she was also humble. She acknowledged the fact that God was the God who could give her this son, that he was sovereign and that it was a privilege for her even to be able to ask. And then in chapter two, Hannah praises and worships God for who he is and what he is like. Her focus wasn't on this beautiful son that she's just had. Her focus was on the giver of this gift, on God himself. Because it's all about him. Prayer isn't just asking for stuff. Do you know, I hear a lot of people who'll say, well, I asked God for this and I didn't get it, so prayer doesn't work. Or God can't have heard my prayer because I didn't get it. But that just seems like such a me-centred view of prayer. Prayer isn't just a way of getting what we want. It's not some get-out-of-jail-free card or a letter to Santa. Prayer is about communicating with the God of the whole universe. And whether we get what we want or not is not the ultimate point of prayer. It is all about God. And it really looks to me like Hannah understood that. Through good or bad, she recognised that God was in control and his place and who he was was more important than what she was asking for. So I think that's what praying like Hannah looks like. It's persistent, it's passionate, it's bold, and it's giving God his rightful place. And these are all things that I can certainly learn from the way that Hannah went about prayer. But more than that, Hannah discovered that prayer transforms life. So before I finish, I just want to share briefly three ways in which prayer transformed life for Hannah. And I think all of these 
are totally relevant for us today, even although Hannah was back however many thousands of years ago. These are relevant for you and for me today. Prayer transforms life, firstly, because we experience God's peace in prayer. If you look at, if you've got a Bible open, verse 18 of chapter 1. Having poured out her heart to God, Hannah ate and was no longer downcast. It wasn't that God had all of a sudden given her this son. It wasn't even that God had promised to give her this son. But somehow, in the act of praying, Hannah experienced tremendous peace and comfort that only comes from God. Her circumstances hadn't changed at all, but her perspective had. I wonder if you have ever experienced that when you have prayed. There have been times where I have prayed and I've been in a position where I'm full of fears and I'm scared and I'm worried and I have poured out my heart to God and I can honestly say that I have experienced the reality of God's peace and his presence in a way that would not have been the case had I not brought it to God. Prayer transforms life because we experience God's peace. Prayer isn't just asking and getting. Simply pouring out your heart to God in itself transforms life by reminding us that we have a God who hears, a God who knows, a God who sees, and a God who is with us no matter what. Maybe you don't get what you want but you can experience God's peace and presence in your life, regardless of your circumstances. So firstly, prayer transforms life because we experience God's peace. And secondly, prayer transforms life because we experience God's grace and provision in our lives. We don't always get what we ask for, but often God does provide. He doesn't need to respond to us at all. But in his grace and his goodness, sometimes he chooses to, just like a father enjoys giving good gifts to his children. That was Hannah's experience. Can you imagine what it must have been like for her to go through this pain year after year and long for a child and not be able to have one, to be mocked and misunderstood? And then imagine how it must have felt when she found out that she was pregnant. And then how excited and overjoyed she would have been when this beautiful baby boy arrived healthy and safely. Life was transformed. Why? Because God responded to Hannah's prayer in his grace and goodness. Please don't hear me say that God will always give you what you ask for. Because he doesn't. And I don't understand his ways, but I do know that when he does, life is transformed as we experience his grace and his goodness to our lives. We see the God of the universe intervene in the lives of ordinary people like you and me in response to our small voices praying to God. That's amazing. Prayer transforms life, firstly, because we experience God's peace. Secondly, because we experience God's grace and provision. And lastly, prayer transforms life because we can get to know God more. 
we can get to know God more. If you think about Hannah's second beautiful prayer in chapter 2, I think there's a whole message in there in itself. As I've said already, her focus isn't on Samuel, this baby that she's been given, but it's on God. Having gone through all that Hannah has gone through, she knows God more, who he is and what he is like. And now she pours out her heart to God, and this time she is full of joy at his amazing character. If you've got a Bible in front of you, just run through those verses. Verse 2 expresses his holiness and his faithfulness like a rock. Verse 3, his intimate knowledge of our lives. And then in verses 4 to 8, it's this contrast, his power to reverse the circumstances of human beings like you and me. Weakness to strength, hunger to fulfilment, barren to children, death to life, poverty to riches, pride to humility. And then verse 8, this all-encompassing statement, God is in control. Hannah's life is richer because her knowledge of God has grown. How? Because she brought everything to God in prayer and watched him work out his purposes in her life in response. And it's no different for us. As we pray and share our lives with the Lord, we will see him work in us. We will get to know him more. We will have a deeper and a fuller relationship with him. And that is what Jesus died and rose again to give us. To get to know God. So prayer transforms life. Hannah prayed persistently. She prayed passionately. She prayed boldly. And she gave God his rightful place in her prayers. And then she discovered that prayer transforms life. Not just because God gave her the son that she asked for. Prayer was about more than asking and getting. Hannah's deepest desire was to honour God and her prayers reflected that. Prayer transformed her life as she experienced God's peace, his grace and provision and she got to know him more. So what about us? Do you find it hard to pray? Do you sometimes feel ordinary and small and like your words will hit the ceiling and go nowhere? Do you sometimes feel frustrated if you don't get what you're asking for? I think prayer is so much more beautiful than just asking and getting. It is all about a relationship with God. God wants you to pour out your heart to him. He wants you to live life with him. And he gives us this beautiful gift of prayer to communicate with him. What will you do? What will I do with the gift of being able to pray to the God of the whole universe? As we thought at the start, God works out his purposes in the lives of ordinary people. Like Hannah and like you and like me. Will you pray persistently, passionately, boldly and give God his rightful place in your prayers? Prayer transforms life as we experience God's peace, his grace and provision and we get to know him more.
Do you know, the birth of Samuel was God's answer to a childless woman's prayer. But it was also the answer to Israel's need for a spiritual leader. And you may never know how God will use your prayers and answer your prayers in a way that will bring blessing, not just to your life, but to the lives of other people. Prayer transforms life. We experience God's peace, his grace and provision, and we get to know God more. Let me encourage you that prayer transforms life. But the challenge for each one of us is to do the praying. Let's pray together now. Father God, we thank you for your amazing goodness in our lives. We thank you that although we don't deserve it, you want a relationship with us and you give us the beautiful gift of talking to you in prayer. Please would you help us not to take that for granted Help us to grasp the privilege of it and to talk to you and to bring life to you. Father, we thank you for your word and for your message and we pray that your Holy Spirit will work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In our prayers for others this morning, we're going to use a sung response when I say the words, so that your will may be done on earth you're invited to sing your response. We pray for others, not because God does not already know the concerns and longings of our hearts, but to remind us that we do not bear them alone and that God calls us to be the answers to our own prayers. So this morning, Heavenly Father, we bring our concerns for our world and especially for those places in our world where violence is a real and present danger and life feels very fragile. We pray for Sudan and South Sudan teetering on the brink of war in the wake of their separation. We pray for Syria, where the people cry out for freedom in the face of terrible oppression. We remember northern Nigeria where politicians have cynically exploited religious difference for their own ends with terrible consequences. And we pray for Pakistan, the ancestral home of so many people in our city, but caught now in the front line between the interests of the nations of the West and the ambitions of the Taliban and suffering at the hands of both. Father, we pray for all who lay their lives on the line each day to work with all sides in these conflicts 
in order to bring about peace with justice, so that your will may be done on earth. We pray for those closer to home in our own country where recession is still biting hard for those who long to work but can find no job and are scraping by week to week on benefits and we pray too for those who work in human hours perhaps earning lots of money, but have no life outside of work and no time to enjoy the money they earn. Father, grant that both rich and poor may learn that their worth is not measured by the money they have or the things they own. And bless those who support people in need those who distribute food parcels or run credit unions or community banks or who simply befriend so that your will may be done on earth. who are hurting or troubled for those who are isolated by disability or by old age for those who are coping with long term illness and for those who are exhausted by caring for a family member who is ill or elderly help those who struggle to know who they are now that they've given up work and are no longer active in society. May they find their true selves reflected in your loving gaze and bless all carers. Replenish their stores of energy and goodwill from the fount of your unfailing love so that your will may be done on earth. And finally, we pray for ourselves, for our church, facing important decisions about our mission and about the building from which we carry out that mission. Keep us faithful to your vision of a kingdom where all are of equal value.
and all are welcome, so that your will may be done on earth. and all our prayers we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.